Welcome to the podcast, Low Code Talks with Creatio. I'm your host, Andy Zambito, Chief Sales Officer, Americas at Creatio. And today we have two special guests, Andy Dovgan, Chief Growth Officer at Creatio, and Debbie Moat, a renowned fintech industry advisor with years of experience in the industry, appointed as one of the top 10 influencers in fintech and a global thought leader, as well as co-founder of Burnmark. Andy and Debbie will discuss the future of the banking industry. And I'm happy to answer some of the questions that have come up. Yeah, Davis, I'm happy to help. And uh, oh, <laughs> brilliant, yeah. thank you, Andy. So, uh, what I've tried to do, I've tried to consolidate some of the questions we received, but also uh, within the course of the previous week, I spoke to a number of our customers, larger banks and smaller banks, and I asked them. So, if you'd ask one question to an expert in technology and future of banking what question would you ask? And actually got those for you. So I understand that we are uh, kind of a little bit tight on time. So that's why we'll try to go through all of them. So I guess the uh, question from a larger bank, uh, one of our customers, uh, and the biggest concern was related to moving from legacy. So from one hand, everyone understands in the industry that you know those digital workflows, this automation, yeah, it's it's a new reality. But in the meantime, they have such a huge bag of legacy technology, silos, processes, and the biggest challenge that they have is how to work with that. Okay. And that's actually to, to your earlier point, some of our organizations just decide to set up a separate institution managed by the same uh, organization, not to deal with the legacy. But is there any other way to deal with that legacy and accelerate the transformation? Yeah, I mean, and that is exactly why we see that gap of decide to be digital, but not quite there yet. And that's legacy that's stopping them from doing it and data being in silos. Um, there are three ways in which you can manage that. Uh, one, as you rightly said, Andy, it's by launching that separate bank from scratch. Mm -hmm you build this most agile and beautiful tech stack um, or you buy it and mm -hmm. then you build the products that you want for a niche market. So building a new bank from scratch is the way that people love to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Having said that, we have seen a few failures of them. Uh, I don't want to name names, but in the US, a major bank did that last year and they shut down. Uh, in the UK, we have seen three banks do that and shut down. Mm -hmm. um, so clearly customer acquisition is a problem, even with a separate uh, new cool brand. Um, the two other ways which, in which we can do that is um, one through replacement of legacy one by one. So shutting mm -hmm. off mainframe by mainframe. I mean, there are banks with 200, 300 legacy systems in one product group here. So this is going to take 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. So this is, I mean, this is the process that several banks are on today. It's not even, um, you know, a suggestion because many, most of the banks are already doing it, but it is a 20 to 25 year old um, year transformation program. Uh, the third method, which, which is what I personally like the most of the three options, is building a digital platform on top of legacy in order to plug in what you need to plug in. Um, now, the good thing is um, that those kind of platforms uh, exist today um, and they have really good capabilities. But then you don't need to transform legacy immediately. And you mm -hmm. will have APIs that you can plug in. You can plug in new types of core banking or cons consumer management products really easily. So mm -hmm. having a digital platform on top of your legacy to deal with the fintechs and the APIs available is probably the easiest short-term way of dealing with that if you're not trying to launch a subsidiary. Yeah, got it. So then 
another question is um, coming more from a smaller community banks, right, that serve a special state or even a special city or, or town. And I guess what keeps them up at night is this necessity of being competitive and relevant in a face of larger, massive, uh, consolidated financial groups, right? So what is your take and what are your thoughts, like if you to advise to a community bank, and specifically here in the US, there are like 24,000 or even a little bit more of those, uh, in regards to how to compete with those organizations that have larger budgets, more resources, and of course, they can really invest into that much bigger money and uh, power. No, I think I, I actually feel um, quite sorry for the community banks. Mm-hmm. And in the in the UK, we have the building societies, which are the similar size, um, because you have competition from both sides. You have the large banks who target the corporate sides and and the, mm-hmm. the global customers, and then you have the fintechs actually taking over the smaller customers and putting price pressure on you. Um, So I think the community banks will survive only if they form some kind of network or partnership uh, with each other, which is exactly what we are seeing with Google driving that Mm -hmm. in the US. I think Google or any of the big techs, any of the big names, uh, even Goldman Sachs is trying to do that. Um, is bring together community banks as much as possible so that they have economies of scale. Um, An example in Europe, which I find really fascinating, is there is a a network of community banks and building societies who have all come together for international payments. So this is a community that um, actually gets the best rate for foreign exchange and on a, on, it's like a utility. So you open the tap, you get water. You, you On the day, you're given the best price um, based on all the people available in that group. So economies of scale can be achieved in payments and credit scoring, et cetera, if you do come together. So I think it's survival is a big question mark for most of these community banks. Um, and I think a lot of them are going digital, but I think the only way uh, survival will happen is if it's a common platform or they come together as a community. But it sounds like they need to act now, right? And uh, like they, uh, they need to fight now. Got it, got it. So there is one question related to COVID-19 and long, a kind of a long-term impact of COVID-19 uh, into the financial service industry in, in general. So uh, David, what are your thoughts about that? Will it go on sometime or uh, we already got changed and what, what is coming next? Um, I think COVID-19, I mean, I, I like to be positive <laughs> about things. I think it has created a lot of positive changes in the banking industry. And, and the push for digital is something that we have never seen before, thanks to COVID. Uh, most of them have gone off branches. Uh, we are seeing eKYC integrated into apps in a very effective way. There are some countries, for example, like India, who never allowed eKYC in the past, um, Germany, etc. And now the regulations have changed to deal with COVID and EKYC. So this kind of push, I mean, I'm, I'm in a way, I'm thankful for that push <laughs> that has happened. Um, so I think in terms of digitalization, it's not bad news. I think by 2024, uh, we will see a recovery in terms of travel um, and um, retail, uh, physical retail, not online, and and other things. So I think 2024 is when we expect recovery to happen in terms of consumer spend and consumer behavior. Um, But the long-term effects, I think changing 
to cashless um, is actually a short-term effect. Payments, I think, will be not majorly impacted. And the reason I say that is we've looked at China and the way consumers are behaving in China. So there was a huge push, if you remember, in the early days of COVID for yeah. people not to use cash at all in China. Yeah. And um, when we look at the data now, after one year, um, people have gone back to using cash. Yeah, so I think it was a short-term effect of not using cash, not a long-term one. So I do suspect that we will go back to pre-COVID levels of payments. Got it, got it. All right, your thoughts and suggestions on building organizational resilience with collaboration with uh, technology vendors, right? So all, all recommendations, to relative, relatively wide question, but all recommendations related to becoming more resilient as a bank or a financial institution? I think collaboration works best when you know exactly what you're looking for. So like I said, are you going to launch a product together? If you're going to launch a product together, let the person who is good at product drive it. Um, if you both try to be equal in the relationship, it may not work. So what is the purpose of that collaboration? Is it product? Is it channel? Is it an experience? Is it um, uh, better data? I mean, whatever the reason is, um, that has to be clear. And who is the person with the core capability for that? Um, and there, the, another problem that we always hear about is cultural misalignment between banks and fintechs. So don't try to take fintechs into the bank's office to work there. <laughs> I think that's always a problem. I think um, fintechs need to still be agile and still be um, still work like a startup, um, while banks have to focus on the core capabilities, which is regulatory knowledge, uh, the domain knowledge, and the amount of transactions and liquidity they have. Uh, so focus on your core competence is what I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, imagine a situation when you have, uh, like the organization needs uh, to change, right? But then you have more kind of conservative leadership that wants to keep things a as they were, and then they are, right? Because usually bands are not those uh, organizations that really tap into uh, innovation and, and growth and change without managing risks appropriately. So what would be your advice how to kind of change this dynamic, how to change your mind, how to kind of engage and embrace this transformation and convince the leadership that it's time to invest into technology and introduce some changes. Yeah, I mean, I think every organization has to take on digitalization in their own uh, time frame. I, I think most banks um, and most large companies are there in terms of understanding the need for digitalization. Because one thing we tend to talk about a lot is technology and products. Uh, but we need to remember that in 10 years time, uh, we probably won't talk about technology because every bank needs to be technology based. Um, so I think it is absolutely essential to change. Now, the time frame and pace of change could be different from organization to organization. Um, but I think the, the rising competition uh, from not just fintechs, the big techs, I mean, the Facebooks and the Amazons, uh, who have a, a lot of resources at their disposal to come and take on banking. I think that should be a worry, definitely. Uh, the increased margin pressure uh, in terms of profitability, in terms of international money exchange, in terms of transactions, the margins are very, very tight now. So how do you survive in a difficult market? And, and the only answer is digitalization. David, thank you so much for joining our event and uh, hope to stay in touch with you. No, thank you for having me and it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Andy. Andy, Debbie, thank you very much for this insightful discussion. To get more information about our products and services, please visit our website, 
www.jeffreyatio.com. And for further insight, check our digital event page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Talk soon.